Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. So uh, welcome back to the Talking Hockey podcast. My name is Eric and we have Ty Martin and we have a special guest with us. Uh, This is episode 47. And our special guest today is Sabrina. She's a uh, PR slash marketing manager, so to speak, for NHL players and former NHL players, basically anyone in hockey. Uh, She has a super interesting story. Her website's awesome, and I'll be sharing that when the episode's released as well so people can go check her out. But uh, welcome to the show, Sabrina. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to do this. (laughs) Awesome. So uh, first question, and what we want to learn first off, because all of our followers are interested in this, is... uh, how did you get into PR and marketing, specifically with regards to you know NHL players? How did you build those relationships? How did you get into the industry? What did you do for school? A lot of questions, I know. Let's <laughs> kind of start there, if you don't mind. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's kind of a funny story. I swear I never worked in sports, had zero interest in it. <laughs> when I was 14, I started pursuing a career as an entertainment journalist and an on-air personality. Then eight years later, I'm doing a segment at a local gym, and I meet Zach Ronaldo. We become friends, and then about a year later, he asked what it would take to get me to help him out with some PR, and then that led to other opportunities. I started reaching out to people doing similar things, and they introduced me to agents, and I got introduced to other players. That's hmm. insane. <laughs> so it's just randomly, <laughs> randomly met Zach Ronaldo <laughs> and now PR manager for, you know, a bunch of different NHL players and former NHL players, including one of many of our favorites, uh, Doug Gilmore. We can see he has, a, he has a signed jersey of his in the background right there. Um, Martin actually lives beside his uncle, so he thinks uh, he's basically best friends with him. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, 
So how so so you started working in the industry then? What what exactly do you do for NHL boys? Because PR can mean a bunch of different things, right? It's a, I'm sure you do a bunch of different things for different players, and it depends on their situation. But generally speaking, you know, what are you what are you doing with them? What are you helping them out with? Uh, that kind of thing. I didn't really establish a title for what I was doing until about a month ago. I was kind of doing anything and everything for them. Um, <laughs> getting them t-shirts that they saw on Instagram in exchange for social media promotion to signings, memorabilia deals, some of them wanted cars. I mean, pretty much anything that they need off the ice. And then also mm-hmm. working with the teams to find opportunities because you don't want to step on any toes. So Very cool. Specific, yeah, really cool. So when you're working with the teams and with the players, how does that process typically work? So you come up with, you see a brand that wants to work with one of the players and they reach out to you or they reach out to the player's agent and then the agent reach out, reaches out to you. How does that specifically um, work? I usually do the outreach based on ads that I see on Instagram where some of the guys will have brand wish lists or even just watching a hockey game isn't really that relaxing anymore because I'm paying more attention to what names are on the boards and then I reach out to those companies, whoever has a commercial earrings during that time so that I know there's an interest in hockey and in that market. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you're reaching out to them individually and saying you have this roster of NHL players yeah. that might be interested in working with them? Yeah. Oh, okay. I see. That's actually really cool. So then so, from there, yep, Martin, go. Uh, do the players you work with like have agents? Um, like, do you work in unison with agents? Like, do you communicate with their agents or? The top tier guys, I usually work closely with the agents and I have no contact with the guys. And then the lower tier guys, I work directly with. Okay. So, so who are the top tier guys? <laughs> the lower tier guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, top tier guys like Jake Muzzin, uh, Thornton, okay, Stegen. Oh. And, okay, so, so you're talking big guys. Right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I saw those on your website. But. Yeah, they're not listed because there's not any exclusivity, and I kind of just leave that for the brands if there's interest oh, okay. there. Cool. So when you're working with them, you're talking to the agent, and you're going, okay, yeah. like this, t-sh- this brand. I think Tyler Sagan has like a cologne one that he was posting yes. on like Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, okay, this cologne company might want to work with Sagan because you know everyone. It's his. Say, it's his cologne company. Is, He's is trying to his create clone? his own brand. Oh, yes. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So are you doing anything with that with him, or is I'm that? Not, is... I just got him a week ago. I started looking for opportunities. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. So what? What so, are you? Yeah, Martin. Go. Okay. Uh, <laughs> when did this all start? Like, when did Zach Ronaldo like talk to you about this? Because it seems like a very new type of position. <laughs> and it is. It's been and unique. Now, yeah, two years. Okay. Two. So, do you know that? Do you know other people that are doing kind of what you're doing right now? Like, do you know if you know other players have someone exactly like you, or is you know something that you've kind of invented for yourself? What's kind of the situation there? Um, I've met different people and everybody has their own strengths. Some specialize in content creation, some specialize in philanthropy, and it's really cool because you can kind of build those relationships and instead of looking at them as competition, you can focus mm-hmm. on your strengths and work together. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So and do you help with the social media aspects too? Like are you creating content for all these um, you know, players and everything like that? 
I don't. I always source that because I'm a nona with technology and I hate social media. <laughs> but I'd rather leave that to somebody else. <laughs> so, so you're more planning everything out basically instead? Okay. Yeah. So what are okay. some of the projects that you're working on right now that are you know probably most interesting to people? Obviously, people are going to be more interested in Thornton than they are in Zach Ronaldo, probably. <laughs> <laughs> No offense to Zach Ronaldo. No, no offense to Zach Ronaldo. Zach Ronaldo. <laughs> gets into a lot of fights and makes a lot of people very mad very often. So yeah. <laughs> and I kind of miss that kind of style in the game. You don't see that too often. No. But I mean, we're just adapting to this whole pandemic, still figuring out what that looks like because everything shifted to virtual. So it's yeah. kind of hard without any in-person appearances. So we're focusing more on social media some zoom meet and greets and just trying to figure things out with companies this year so do you have a team that works for you or is it just you no, just running me. around yeah just oh, okay. me. so do you help players like uh create their like statements and stuff that they might post on social media do you like work with them to create the words and stuff or um, most of them take care of that themselves. Sometimes yeah. they'll message me, like Trochek, when he got traded to Carolina. He asked me for my input on the statement to thank Florida and then to kind of introduce himself to Carolina. So I helped out with that. It's really up to them. Mm-hmm. And so, how does the business, so for the business side of it, how does that work? Do they like pay you like per hour of your time? Is it more like a contract basis where they sign, you know, you? Your, you know, agents get paid whatever, 5%, 10% of the contract, whatever it is, 2%, whatever it is. So how, how does that kind of side of the business work? It's more just commission-based right now. A lot of guys don't like doing the whole retainer fee structure yeah. more because, I mean, you don't really, there's no guarantee. Mm-hmm. And they're a little iffy on that. And especially for the guys that are making the minimum, it's harder yeah. to justify spending that much a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, so <laughs> I'm just thinking here because I'm, I'm trying to like wrap my head around how this works. We, we, I don't want to go into too much details. I don't know, Tyre, Martin, do you have any more questions on that before we kind of move on? We can move on for me. That's cool. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so out of the projects you're working on right now, what are kind of some of the cooler ones that you're doing right now that you that might be most interesting? Um, I think more the larger campaigns and terms of commercials those are really fun because those are new to me and then mm-hmm. having these top tier guys under my roster is kind of cool because then you get the attention of larger companies like Pepsi and Canadian Tire mm-hmm. so I'm hoping something will work out in the next couple of months with them so did those companies ever reach out to you or is it only you ever reaching out to them mostly only me reaching out to them, like with Canadian Tire, we started with Gilmore a couple of years ago, and then we built that relationship. So they'll come to me if something pops up, and they have so many other companies under their company. So that's really built that. And then if there's opportunities for other guys, I can go to them. Yeah. So are you like upselling them? You're like, okay, I have Gilmore. You guys can have them. <laughs> we also have. I also have Travis Sanheim. <laughs> you yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, so what are you doing with Gilmore other than the Canadian Tire stuff? Because I know uh, there's a bunch of Leafs fans that listen to this podcast and they might want to know. For sure. I mean, golf tournaments are huge for him and memorabilia signing. So I think things will pick up for him more in the summer if we're Mm -hmm. able to do those again. See what that looks like. (laughs) 
So, and you're managing like the in-person events for them too. So you're like, you know, booking a venue and doing all the marketing side of things to like get people to show up and everything like that. And more connecting with the people that do all that stuff. And okay. this way I just book them. Everything else is pretty much that. <laughs> well, you're making it sound like really easy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the most what's the most difficult side of the job then what would you say like what you know i don't know if it's difficult it's probably my favorite part is the chase of going out for these companies and then the whole hurry up and wait game you know you're just waiting for that email that response even if it's a rejection you just want an answer from them so at least Mm -hmm. you've established that contact they know who you are they know who you have so that's probably my favorite part it's also the toughest yeah, that makes sense. So, do, do you is your goal to gain like a whole bunch of players, or is it to eventually like work directly for the NHL or something? At like, um, I mean, I don't want a lot of players because I don't want to under deliver since I'm just one person, yeah. and I don't want to work through the league either. I think having ten to fifteen guys is pretty solid, and just focusing on building the relationships with them, earning their trust. And then getting the job done. Mm-hmm. So, so you're not really interested in more like building an agency, hiring people out to kind of, well, like you're contracting work out for the social yeah. media. So you're not interested in kind of like hiring your own team and building out an agency that kind of way. I can imagine for sure. So what, and then what are the, what are the easiest parts about the job then? What's kind of, you know, what comes naturally to you and, and, and that sort of thing? I think building the friendships with the guys and even the wives and the girlfriends, I was a little nervous about that because you hear about the stereotypes and everybody's been so genuine in the hockey community, whether it's agents, the players, even in the media, they're all super kind. They want to help you. There's no hidden agendas where when I was in entertainment, you see a lot of fakeness. So Mm -hmm. it's way more real. And I love that. Yeah, so now that we're on that topic, perfect segue. Um, <laughs> tell us some of your favorite, uh, who are your favorite players that you're working with? Who are, you know, yeah. <laughs> we'd like to know a little bit about the personalities of players because you don't get to see that very often. And we'll get into that whole conversation a little bit. <laughs> no, I mean, I love all of them equally. I can't really pick <laughs> one. But I mean, there's some that I'm able to just shoot a text on Football Sunday and we'll talk about the game. Like, Chochuk's a huge Steelers fan, and when his team got beaten brutally, <laughs> I was texting him to check in and make sure he was good and how he was coping. And then even just checking in with them to see how their families are and having those relationships with the wives. We work out together on FaceTime or we'll have wine nights. It's really nice okay. to be a part of that. Damn, so you're like almost a part of the family kind of thing. <laughs> that's actually, that's really cool. So uh, speaking of that, then uh, what are you like, um, what are some of the more interesting stories that you probably, you probably have some fun or interesting stories with regards to players or advertising that they're doing or any projects you're working on with them? Can you tell us any interesting stories there that you might have? Other than Trochek crying about his Steelers. (laughs) (laughs) I know, he said they embarrassed his hometown because he's from Pittsburgh. But aside from that, um, there was one that really stood out because I had a bit of a home scare with my kidney disease last year. And the Thompsons ended up sending me this really nice note and these flowers. And they're still on my desk to this day. 
and that just uh it's really kind and it showed that they appreciated the work that I've done. And a lot of the guys are really kind in that way. And they'll let me know that they appreciate it. And they see the value in the work that I do. Yeah, for sure. Um, so now to get back to kind of more career, or actually Martin tied you up any other questions with regards to stories and stuff. What's your favorite Doug Gilmore story? Actually, <laughs> for Ty and Martin. <laughs> Uh, probably the first time I met him, I think we were at Sheila's Joe's in Burlington, and it was unreal to me. It was like a pinch me moment where I'm sitting across from him, he's eating deep fried pickles, and we're just shooting at the <laughs> He's telling me stories about the golf course from the tournament that I did a couple of days before, and it was unreal. I never thought that would happen. That's really cool. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Well, time are definitely very no. Like if that if that happened to me, and I'm just you know I'm just hanging out with an NHL player, I'm, I'd be like. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's starstruck. I mean, awe. So a story that I have is uh, last year, Zach Hyman, our, our office somehow arranged for Zach Hyman to come in to, to talk to us. Uh, and we obviously, you know, I, I hung around afterwards and, and tried talking with him. And I just couldn't get words out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> i think it was it was just before the leaf season was about to start last year he's like so are you really are you a big leaf fan i was like uh-huh no i was like <laughs> i wish i could have watched that interaction yeah. I feel like, okay so so sorry for very some... tired. Yeah. <laughs> and now we'll be back after a word from our spot the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. So you want a security system that can do more than just record crime? Okay. How about a doorbell that can scare package thieves away? With a whistle. Learn more at Vivint.com. Vivint. Smart security. Professionally installed. And now we'll get back into the show. Story for Sabrina. We had, um, we had Sam Gagne on our podcast um, a couple months. Actually, over the summer, I think it was. And you know the we we give like Martin some of the first few questions, <laughs> and Martin just freezes up and like just has no idea what he's supposed to be asking Sam Gagne, and it was just like, <laughs> and it was so funny to watch. And I wish we had it recorded like this. We had like the video because we yeah. don't have the audio, and then our producer edited it to make it seem like Martin wasn't a bumbling mess, kind of, which is unfortunate. But I I got lost halfway through my question. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> it's just nowhere to be found. So has has that ever happened to you? Have you ever like you know had to meet an NHL player and you were just like ah, I don't know what to say? Or... <laughs> it hasn't it hasn't happened with NHL players, but when I was doing 
interviews and working in entertainment and was covering the Hamilton Comic Con. And uh, that was like my first real celebrity experience. And um, Sam, the Flash Gordon, I met him. That was kind of unreal. And then John Schneider, um, the Soup Nazi, I met him. And it was great. I (laughs) couldn't really find the words to say. And even uh, John Heater, he played Napoleon Dynamite. That was an unreal experience. And that was the last interview that I did. I didn't know how to handle that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I can imagine. (laughs) So on the back to the career side, then for the people that want to get into um, PR or marketing for hockey in general, like what kind of advice do you have? You know what? You know a lot of our followers they're younger, so I'd say university and younger, maybe even high school. So you know what should they be doing if they kind of want to start getting into a career like the one you have right now? I think LinkedIn has been a huge resource for me, especially the last few months. And I wish I had gotten into it more when I first started, just finding company leads, reaching out to agents, asking for advice and looking at different people in the industry, even if it's not sports related and asking them what they did. Um, I find you learn and grow the most through talking to other people. So if, if you're like uh, someone's a, a undergrad, just leaving university, and maybe they have a degree in marketing or journalism, communications, whatever it is. You, what would your first steps kind of be? Would it be, you know, start messaging people's agents, players' agents, players' marketing people, and just being like, you know, can I work for you or give me tips on what to do? Like, that's kind of what you're saying right now? Yeah, for sure. Outreach is everything. And you don't know unless you try. So shoot them a DM. The players always answer them. And you can just reach out to them directly, ask if you can hop on a call to get acquainted and discuss possible opportunities to work together and just take it from there. Wow. You may, you, I feel like you're still making it sound ridiculously easy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, just shoot them a message. They'll respond. They'll help you. I mean, I mean maybe, people yeah. shoot messages on LinkedIn all the time. I used yeah, to get yeah, that's true. all I mean, the time. Yeah. I mean, that was my job for a year and a half at IBM was just shooting messages to people and hoping they responded for whatever. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it does work. You're right. It's just I guess it's the value. What do you think the value proposition should be, though? Should it be like I'll work for you for free or is it, you know, like how how would you how would you approach that? Like, What are you actually saying to them? I think if you're starting out, you definitely have to pay your dues. It took up until a year until I felt like I proved myself and built those relationships where I could ask for money. And I think you just have to be very patient. Don't expect it. And it'll come when it's time. Yeah. So when you first started, was this like your full-time job or... It wasn't. I didn't know that I was going to get into it completely. I didn't even know that it was an actual position. So I was just kind of seeing where it went, taking it, just going with the flow, wasn't really putting much thought or time into it. And then once I seen that there was something there, I started to pursue it full time. Did did you think uh, about PR in sports before that at all? Like, no. No, no, I swear I'd never work in sports. I wanted yeah. to be a red carpet reporter, Mary Brad Pitt. That was a dream. <laughs> so did you have <laughs> did you have opinions on uh like NHL's PR before this? Like and There's have you developed no... opinion opinions? Yeah. 
I mean, there's not a lot of marketing opportunities for NHL players compared to other sports. Like you see Gronk doing the Manscaped ads, you see Mahomes, <laughs> Rogers doing the, the State Farm but commercials. It, but is that NHL players' fault, or is that the like NHL? Because because I think the I think Toronto or so I think Montreal and Edmonton both have sponsorships with Manscaped. I think. Mm-hmm. In-game sponsor or whatever. Yeah, they have the relationships, but I don't mm-hmm. see anything on the players' side going. You know, some goofy ad about a player using Manscaped like wrong. <laughs> yeah, because they don't know those opportunities are available to them, and the league is starting to get a little bit better with that and finding those opportunities and using the corporate sponsorships to help the players build their brands. So that's yeah. all pretty new to the league right now. Because I feel like the perfect, and this is my free idea for you, you got to get Brent Burns and Manscaped together. You got it. You have to do it. It has to be a thing. Brent Burns already like posed naked on I forget I forget what what uh, magazine it was. It's the ESPN, perfect advertising. Um, sports was it ESPN or Sports Illustrated? Sports Illustrated. Yeah. yeah, it was him and Thornton, wasn't it? Was mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, you got You got to get Brent. You have to reach out to Brent Burns and figure out how to get him a manscape. You know? It's just it's a perfect match. It's a perfect match made in heaven. But anyway, <laughs> um, how are you like? Okay. So, what are your takes on marketing now? Because we on our page, this is like a constant topic that comes up. It's we talk about a ridiculous amount. I probably hammer it home too much, but I complain about it all the time about how the NHL markets their players like you've just talked about, how they brand them, you know, why they're, you know, look at 90% of players' social medias and it's pretty boring. Like, you have some pictures and game pictures and all that kind of stuff, but, like, there isn't much there. Then you go to, like, an NBA players and there's, you know, there's a wide range of different content and stuff that they're putting out, all these different cool uh, branding opportunities and stuff like that. So where do you think... This is kind of a big question. I don't want to ask it too broadly, but like, where do you think the problem is in the NHL? Because is it the players not understanding? Is it that they have all these branding opportunities? Is the is it the NHL culture? Is it the teams not letting them do it? Like, where where's the disconnect between? I know that's a big question. I might not have the perfect answer, but. I think it's a combination of everything and really with the agencies too, because they don't really focus on that. They're more focused on the contract side and then the companies will reach out to them where they're not doing outreach. And then there's people like me that just focus on doing outreach and finding those opportunities. So I think if we can all work together, we can kind of improve the whole marketing situation for NHL players. Do you think that, uh, that will all still be separate, or do you think agencies, like, the, the agents, will start hiring people to do jobs like you, your job? Versace's trying to get in on this, but um... she has opinions. Are you? <laughs> Lots of opinions all day long. I love lockdown. <laughs> I think you know we start those conversations with the agents they don't know that there's people like us out there that we can work Mm -hmm. together to make that happen and they've been pretty open-minded the ones that i've spoken to so Mm -hmm. so you're you're i'm not saying you're blaming the agents but you're basically the the disconnect is the eight the players rely on the agents and then Mm -hmm. you know for all their business opportunities so you know because i know agents handle the tax situation they handle the contracts you and I think 
you know, a lot of them ha- help handle the investment side and mm-hmm. all that as well. I think, correct me if I'm wrong. So they handle all that, but then they're not really, they're busy with all that. They're not even looking at the marketing side of things. Mm-hmm. They're not looking at what a player's future when they turn 35 and they're not in the league any longer and they yeah. need to have a brand to build off of or, you know, because mm-hmm. as you, you already mentioned it before, right? A lot of the min- players on minimum minimum salaries for most of their career, they're not, you know, they're not set for life after the NHL, mm-hmm. not necessarily anyways. So, you, mm-hmm. so that's what you're saying. There's the, and where your business opportunity lies is there's a disconnect between the agents and the players when it comes to market or the agents and marketing mm-hmm. and you kind of fit in there and go, okay, I, I can link you with this brand, this brand and this brand. Mm-hmm. You have these two or three players. I think these are good, you know, synergies. I hate that word, but synergies, <laughs> um, friend burns and manscape, for example, <laughs> that's what, and then that's where you fit into the whole ecosystem essentially. Yeah. And even just taking the load off of them and giving some more love to those older tier guys, because if they are seeking endorsement deals for their clients, they're focusing on the bigger names and then yeah. those other guys kind of get left behind and they that's don't get any opportunities. No, that's a great point because, you know, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, they don't have to worry about getting endorsements. They get them. But yeah, I'm, you know, I don't follow a ton of NHL players that are, you know, smaller with 10, 15, 20, 30,000 followers, but I, I'd rarely see anything from them in terms of branding. But they also, if that player, ha- I'm sure if that player has 30,000 followers, they're pretty dedicated fans of the player or of the team so there's that kind of that closer relationship that you can leverage i think i'm sure there's a lot of uh, i bet there's a ton of you know there might not be a lot of zach ronaldo fans out there but i'm sure there's a couple (laughs) ones that really love him because he's you know he's that type of player the old school type of player fighting and yeah it's mostly flyers fine fans that i find they're still following him and they love him from those (laughs) bruins fans yeah so so do you do that analysis? Are you looking, are you using any like tools and stuff like that and going, okay, you know, uh, I know there's tools out there. You can go f- analyze a player's followers and go 50% of them are into this sort of thing. So I'm going to go reach out to, you know, co- 50%, uh, 30% of them follow Coca-Cola. So I'm going to go reach out to Coca-Cola now and get them to do an ad with them. Is that, is that how you approach it? Like what's the uh, process kind of for doing it? I don't. I focus on the players' interests because you don't want them just promoting something that they don't believe in just to get more follows and likes. Um, mm-hmm. So I focus on that side. And then I also have like the Twitter alerts and Google alerts all set up. So I see what they're being associated with and kind of see what I'm working with. So what, what do you mean by the Twitter and Google alerts? What do you mean by that? Um, anytime they're mentioned, I get a notification and then I can uh, see what's happening. You must get a lot of notifications. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anytime someone tweets, every, I'm sure every game night when your players are getting mentioned, you're just getting harassed by notifications yeah. for like three right. hours. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, that's your system. If it works, it works. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't comment on that. Um, okay, so... All right, this is a lot to take in. So, okay, so, <laughs> so w- with regards to the NHL now, so we've talked a little bit about the play on the player side. How does the NHL work with players in terms of marketing? Do they even work with them at all? Is there like, I don't even know if they have like a team inside the NHL for player sponsorships specifically. How does 
all that? How does the structure of the NHL kind of work with regards to marketing? So each team, they have a whole bunch of different departments in terms of marketing and communications. Some are responsible for corporate partnerships, some in-game entertainment partnerships. So I will work with those people, parts of the teams, depending on the players. And then also the Players Association has a marketing team. So they have opportunities for them as well. So are they, and is the Players Association, they're actively reaching out to different brands and trying to find like all their players deals or are they, like how are they, because I'm sure they can't focus on like every single player and getting all Mm -hmm. of them, right? So how does, how does all that work? Or do you even know? I don't know. (laughs) Well, I just started uh, talking to them about that. So they have corporate sponsors and they don't really do outreach for specific players unless there's interest from those players and they're aware of that. So that's where I'm kind of coming in and looking for opportunities for the guys based on their interests off the ice. And then if there's a fit, we can work together. I see. Okay. And so that's on the team. So that's the teams and the player association. What about the NHL itself? Do they do anything with the players or, or is it I mean, on by the team? There's no digital content. They're pretty good. Like you'll see social media features. You've seen a lot of content come from the bubble. So I'd love to see more of that regularly. I think mm-hmm. that would help a lot. Yeah, I agree completely. Showing the players' lives and stuff, like who they yeah. are as people and stuff would be yeah. much better. Humanize okay. them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. my goal, just to help people see that they're more than just their sport. They have passions, they have flaws. So, and so for right now, do you see this like growing rapidly? Do you see like a lot of, like I don't, I don't know if maybe if you're not tracking them, but in the future, do you see like you know if we're looking back at this conversation in two years, how do you think it's going to change? Do you think every player is going to have a you? Or do you think it's only going to be a couple of people that are that, or is it only going to be like the rare few that are thinking about this long term and you know thinking ahead? Or you know, I'm sure not everybody wants one too. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of guys that are just very private and I want to play the game and then I want to go home. But there's always going to be a bunch of people out there that won't even think about it because they're just thinking, I'm a player. I'm going to play. I'm not thinking about branding deals and all that kind of stuff, right? And they probably don't want to be. They want to be focusing on what they're good at. So you see, like, in the future, a bunch of yous out there running around, helping out all 700 guys, or how, how do you think it's going to play out? I think so. More for the younger ones that are new to the game now and then coming into the league. The older guys just want to play, and if it's not for a certain amount of money, they're not going to leave their house. They want to focus on their families and enjoy their life off the ice. Yeah. And I find that even with the alumni, they don't even want social media. Like Kirk Muller doesn't have any social media accounts. Mm-hmm. And like Victor Hedman just got on social media after he won the Stanley Cup. I don't think Crosby even has a... Does Crosby have no. a... Yeah, I don't think he does, no. no. I don't think he has a Instagram or Twitter or anything, yeah. Or he probably does, but it's probably... Well, not something. that we know of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That we know of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so there's always going to be guys. So do you think there's a, is there a clear difference in age demographics? You know, the 30-year-old guys, they're, you know, not really into it, but the 18 and 19-year-old or 22-year-old kids are like, oh, I want to be all over social media and doing all that kind of stuff. That's kind of how it is so far. So far. So are are most of your clients younger or older? Because I know you mentioned like Joe Thornton, you mentioned uh, Zach Ronaldo, old guys. 
Uh, you mentioned Gilmore, obviously really old now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't tell him I said that. Um, <laughs> but like, so you you are working with so they do get it. Troshek yeah. isn't. I guess Troshek isn't old. He's like twenty six or something like that. But. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's just getting into it, but yeah, they're mostly older. Sandheim's my youngest. I think he's a year older than me. He's 24, 25. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, so, yeah, you're you're not working with... You plan on working with a bunch of younger guys, too? Or is it more like you have your client list now and you're set? I think I'm pretty content with the current client list and this age range because they've kind of figured out their place in the league. They know what they want. They know who they are. But when they're just getting into the league, everything's so brand new and they have to navigate yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So, so, so many places I want to go, but we only have an hour. <laughs> um, <laughs> wait, Ty or Martin, do you have any other questions before I... Uh... No, I'm good. Um, Eric, no. you you always you like to talk, so you know I don't even worry about us. I like to just I I'm I'm learning here because I'm thinking now I'm thinking she's making it sound so easy i should use talking hockey as a person to go and reach out to a bunch of people brands Wait, and go. eric you tried and and you tried dming nathan mckinnon I, and he I did respond tr- back you know it doesn't doesn't always play well out. first off nathan mckinnon responded i want to clarify <laughs> and stopped responding after Anyways, not the point. <laughs> see, see, it doesn't. To be fair to Eric, he has had my, minor league players reach out to. Yeah, him. yeah, I I've talked to a couple like, minor league guys, but getting the I but, but I'm thinking like you have to start somewhere. So you know, we got Sam Gagne. Sam Gagne's not a superstar, but he's well known, right? So it's about it's about like you know starting. You know, she didn't start off with. Joe Thornton. She started off with Zach Ronaldo and she worked her way up, up the food chain. Zach Gilmore. Yeah, so you see, you see, you see, Eric. You can't go from Sam Gagne to Nathan McKinnon, though, right? You see, you know, I gotta. There's a couple gotta steps go you gotta Sam go. Sam Gagne. We gotta go. <laughs> Uh, middle, middle tier guy and then we got. Yeah, and then and then and you're then, at the top. There you go. I mean, he did say yes. He did say yes. Fair. He did he say, did say he, yes, and then stop. <laughs> you gotta stay on those guys, though. Just a lot. Of I, know, I, I DM'd him like three more times, and he just never responded. No. Keep trying. I think he's too busy Twitch streaming. <laughs> and now, and now yeah, he's, he's in. The, now he's also playing an NHL game, so you know. Yes. <laughs> he's playing NHL games, and then when he's not playing NHL games, he's streaming on Twitch. Maybe I have to join the Twitch stream and just make respond him. to my DM. <laughs> No, you know what I should do? I should I should link his uh, stream on our story and go tell all of our followers go DM or go spam the chat on his. Oh, he'd hate that. That sounds annoying. He'd get his attention that way, so that's. It would get his attention though, yeah. Because the way we got his attention in the first place to respond was I posted a story as him, like a highlight reel or something, and I just said Nathan McKinnon, come on our podcast, and I tagged him, and he responded to that. I'm gonna... <laughs> right, well, she's giving me ideas for how I want to go about this. So. Yeah, it's a good thing you joined that group too. That um, yeah, because I'm gonna be reaching out to a bunch of people in that group now and getting them on because I want to hear everyone's kind of takes on uh, all the marketing in the NHL and stuff. So I think final topic because we've already taken up you know 40, 50 minutes of your time. Um, how would how would you go about improving 
improving the NHL's marketing in general? How would you try to grow the game, right? Because you have you have the perspective of being an outsider. At least you used to be. You didn't start out, you know, full into the NHL. So you have the perspective of being an outsider a couple of years ago. Uh, you have the perspective of being a woman in in the men's game, essentially in a men-dominated industry. So you have you know multiple different perspectives. So I, I think it's really interesting to hear what you think the NHL should be doing, what you think players should be doing. Like, what are your ideas for going the game and turning you know the NHL into the NBA one day, ideally? Maybe maybe not. Maybe no, let's not have such high hopes, but um, something like that. I think just the players putting themselves out there more and being more open-minded about growing their brand and starting earlier to grow that instead of waiting till they're done with hockey to explore that. Yeah, Yeah, because I think, you know, you have the attention on you when you're playing the game and then the second... I'm not going to say the second you retire, it's out of sight, out of mind, but mm-hmm. for a lot of people, it is kind of out of sight, out of mind. And then there's, you know, the, the people that people remember forever, the Gilmores of the world, but it's a little bit harder for the guys playing lesser minutes and <laughs> third or fourth line guys to have an impact that people will remember forever. So I guess, yeah, you're, you're definitely right there on that. Um, do you think there's anything that the NHL, like the organizations can improve on? Uh, whether it's the team, whether it's the NHL itself, whether it's the player association, where do you think they can improve to uh, grow the game, to get players more active in marketing, all that kind of stuff? I think encouraging the guys to be more active on social media is huge because some teams see it as a distraction and they don't really support content creation. But yeah. that's a huge part in putting yourself out there, especially nowadays, everything's online. And if you don't have a presence on there, then you're really no one. Like you can be a top tier guy and companies won't know who you are unless they're in that hockey role. They have an interest. So you brought up a great point. So I want to, I want to ask this, which teams are, you know, better at it, which team, I don't know if you can answer that, but which, which teams do you think? Are there teams that are like the best at it? Like what teams do you think are like the best at marketing players or marketing themselves, marketing the team, all that kind of stuff? That's positive spin on the question. (laughs) I think the Canes and the Jets are really awesome and they're very supportive with their players. And especially with working with me, they're very open-minded. Even the Flyers are really awesome with that. Uh, Flyers have Gritty, right? They're killing it. Oh, (laughs) not It's my bucket list to meet Gritty. I'd love to even represent him. Like, I'd probably be starstruck if I met him and not an actual player. You, you have an in with Sanheim, so you better go and start uh, influencing him to uh, get you the introduction, you know? Yeah, I know. Hopefully once COVID is over, I can go and see a game there and maybe get that meeting in. <laughs> I mean, that would, that would be like the... I think I think more people know about Gritty than anything else. Like I feel, I feel like even non-hockey people know about Gritty, but I don't think mm-hmm. anyone can name like the Flyers' best players, <laughs> which is either a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, especially with the way they've been playing this season. A little oh, off. Yeah. <laughs> just a little, just a little, yeah. especially after the hot ending. But um, so you mentioned the Jets, you mentioned the Canes, you mentioned Philly. Anyone else that you think are a little among among the best? Um, Vegas, I love what they did with their social media game. I think they were the first to really create that personality and kind of set the mm-hmm. stage for the rest of the teams. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. I completely agree. Um, yeah, then I think that's 
all the questions I had. I have a, a bunch more that I can think of, but I don't want to <laughs> keep asking. And I'm not sure how many people are going <laughs> to want to hear every single little detail that I want to hear. Um, but Martin, Ty, anything else you want to ask before we let her go? We're all. Do you, do you think they've done a like even the good teams? Do you think they've done enough at growing themselves? Like, could they be doing more? I mean, I think they're pretty good. I mean, obviously, Toronto's a huge market, and I don't really think they need any assistance there. I think it's more for the smaller teams like Minnesota. You never hear anything about they're kind of the forgotten team. I know I always forget that they're even in the league, and plus someone <laughs> mentions them. So I think they could use some work there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> sure. No, definitely. yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'll have a couple questions I want to ask you later, but I'll probably just DM you and ask you because yeah. I'm kind of curious about how some things work. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Um, Martin, Ty, I think we have a couple other hockey topics, not marketing topics that we're going <laughs> to yeah. finish off the episode with. But uh, Sabrina, thank you so much for joining us. I actually, I really appreciate this. This has been very enlightening. It's definitely helps me give a little bit more uh, nuanced perspective on how it all works, which I really appreciate. And I think a lot of our followers will appreciate that as well. So uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, for thank you. And, and is there anything you want to, yeah, <laughs> for sure. And is there anything before you leave, you want to shout out or anything like that you want to plug in and get people to go check out or are you, uh, <laughs> no, nope? okay. I <laughs> all right all right then sounds perfect thank you so much for joining us i'll make sure to like tag you on instagram and put your uh instagram handle and everything in the episode sounds so. good i appreciate it it's nice to interact with other people outside of my house <laughs> <laughs> hey, you have a dog at least count yourself yeah. lucky <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah all right awesome thank you so much Sabrina. thank you thank you, thank you. Bye. thanks bye Luke's not here. Do you guys, you guys want to break down because um, it's still recording, so we can break down the Dubois trade and Rutherford firing right now. Because I feel well, like he wasn't fired. Firing. He stepped away. Right, uh, sorry, stepped down. Yep. Correct. Thank okay. you for correcting me. All right. What's and your welcome take, to, Ty? Welcome to part two, the bonus episode, of episode <laughs> seven. <laughs> we we I made sure to end it within fifty minutes so that we had like another 10, 50 minutes to do. Okay. This. So I think uh, we'll start with that trade, right? So we, we talked a little bit about it at least last week or the week before about Dubois wanting out. Shared a little, a couple conspiracy theories about it. You know, Dubois not liking his uh, QAnon teammates uh, <laughs> over there. Man, I, I think that's know. it. I think <laughs> Honestly, it's it. Can we start like, that I think that's conspiracy it. theory? Because I'm not seeing many people talking I, about it. Have you, have you seen um, like how happy... He looked in his interview yeah. when he was in Winnipeg. He looked ecstatic. <laughs> to he, be looked, there. he looked. There was like the, that one photo that looked like whole, so wholesome. It was like he was. He had like a thousand pounds like lifted off his shoulders. Yeah, like, man. Like, I'm just like what? The like, like what were they doing to him in Columbus? <laughs> they were all denying COVID and, and saying it was election fraud. And Tortorella was being mean to him. And... So now he instead he's gonna go and like he's gonna. To get bullied by Wheeler and Shifley, like how Patrick Lyon. <laughs> okay, well, did. We, we do have to talk about that because I feel like that's like a big story that I haven't like we haven't addressed. Like I didn't even address it on the page because I was like I don't even know where to start with this because you you I'm assuming Ty read the the it was like a Finnish article. Yeah, where they had like multiple sources talking about how like Shifley and Wheeler are basically like 
Nazis in the dressing room and just controlling every single little thing that's going on. And they didn't like how much effort Patrick Laine was putting in. And some, sorry, they didn't about, like how little effort he was putting in. And how yeah. laid really back correction. he was. Yeah. yeah. They, they have high standards, definitely, yes. in that dressing room. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like so the thing heard, was, they they apparently Wheeler did the same thing to Evander Kane, right? That's what people were talking about. It's that not only did they push Patrick Line out, they pat- pushed out Patrick Kane, and they've had it. Evander. And when so yeah, Evander Kane. God damn. <sighs> Anyways, <laughs> it, it must be it must be frustrating to see someone in your mind being lazy. And you I think get they that. could be yeah. better. But I think the issue is like it's not like Patrick Line wasn't doing well. You know what I mean? Like but, if if he was playing badly, I would say, yeah, but he's it's not like maybe he wasn't hitting his full potential. That might that is. might be a fair and argument. It, but like how are you like the you're pushing out a player for what your standard of effort is, but like you know what I mean? Like it's kind it's, of Imagine you're at a job and you had see someone doing like 95%, but doing, you know, doing what they doing their job at the end of the day, doing it well. And then you're looking at them like you're not putting in enough effort. I'm going to push you out of the organization. Like that doesn't. I don't so know. Honestly, I, look, I, I, I wish wanna... I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> when you look at Patrick Liney, though, right? Like, what can you say? Because, okay, there are some players out there who, when you look at them, like for example, William Nylander, right? When uh, I watch him every night, and why play, why people kind of hate him is because he looks like he's not putting in effort, even though he is, even though things looks because things look so effortless to him, and he does him really, really well. Nylander and Jack Eichel are the perfect examples of never looking like they're doing anything but doing everything. Yeah, like they, they look like they're look not like trying. They're, they never look like they're trying. Jack Eichel doesn't look like he breaks a sweat on the ice, but it's because he's like the most perfect skater in the world and just smooth and. Barely, it doesn't look like he's like hustling around at all. He's just, you know, care, so, it's almost careless. When you when look at it. those guys, though, like like it's mm-hmm. Nylander, uh, Eichel, you know, a couple like guys, guys of that nature. Like, but when you look at Lining, he doesn't look like he's trying a lot of the time, and but he's not really doing anything other than shooting the puck. And I know that but, he's an elite and, goal scorer, but like, other than that, what does he bring to your team? But the thing is, right, like, he knows what his strength is. Like, it's just power law. Like, it's just, like, do what you're best at and continue to do what you're best at. And if you do that, then you have an impact in the game. You know what I mean? Like, what I don't like the idea of, okay, a player is an elite goal scorer. I'm going to try to force him into being this two-way guy. Like, Patrick Line isn't a two-way guy. Get him to do exactly what he's good at. Just like Washington right now, Ovechkin is not the player he used to be. He doesn't have the same energy. He doesn't have the same level of ability that he used to have. And he shouldn't be expected to. He's 34 now, or I think he's 34 yeah, he's, now. He's an old man. He's a boomer. He's an old man. Right? <laughs> gray hair. He's got gray hair. He's just old. He's you know, falling out of the league. No, I'm kidding. Boomer. But like, but Washington uses him in a very specific way. They put him for four minutes out on the power play because they know that's what he's good at. And they don't and make they, him move around yeah. too much. They keep him in one spot and then they just pat and then they just have John Carlson pass him the puck every single time and he just shoots and he scores. And that's what Patrick Line can do. That's the only you know, that's the only thing he needs to do. He can do other stuff too. He has a fine he's But Ovechkin was doing action. more when he was younger. Yes, sure. But but the same but the same principle applies where Washington was still putting him out there for the entire power play and stuff. 
they were still yep. using him in the most ideal situation. So it's just put Patrick Laine in the, a specific situation which his skill set matches and let it ride. Like, I don't understand why they need to, you know, galaxy brain the situation into like, turn him into a two way player. Toru is the last guy to do what you're talking about. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when he started coaching Vancouver, he threw out Daniel and Henrik Sedin at 35 years old to kill penalties when they never did that in shot block. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, tor- like why? And that's why, that's the reason why I don't think this trade is going to be very good for Columbus. Like, everyone, everyone was saying Columbus won out on this trade. What a steal. What a deal. Do you really think Patrick Line and Tortorella are really going to be the perfect fits? Like, Tortorella has the type of guys he likes. He I am interested Nick to see. Knows. Yeah. What Kekalainen can do for Patrick Line. Kekalainen really wanted Patrick Line that draft. Like they did a lot to try to get the pick. And then they, he saw, and then they skipped that one pick. And then they skipped Paul Yarvi too, which is Dude, so did you see I know I know that uh I know that uh like people might have read this in 31 thoughts, but um if ever if if uh, Columbus went with the consensus of Yesi Poliarvi um the next the next i think uh suban would have been traded to vancouver edmonton was going to take or edmonton was going to take um patrick line no 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 edmonton was going to take uh no edmonton went down edmonton was at four i think it's something like edmonton was going to take sergachev and then montreal was going to trade um whatchamacallit uh, suban to vancouver for their pick their first round pick which mm-hmm. was which they would have taken, and then Montreal would have had Dubois. That was how it was going to play out. Damn, it was going to, but then, but then, hell of a move. I know moving pieces. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been awesome. I wish that yeah. happened. Actually, I'm glad Dubois <laughs> didn't end up in Montreal. I'm very glad he didn't end up in Montreal to begin with. I feel like there's a lot of ifs in the NHL with shit like that. There's yeah, always, there's always those really cool if this had happened. Yeah, this this yeah. this would happen. It would have looked really cool. <laughs> and we always Sounds hear false. it, but it never happens. But yes. nothing cool ever happens in the end. Exactly. So, <laughs> so I, I think that I think that uh, if you look at Winnipeg, the reason why I say that, I, I guess I kind of lean uh, Winnipeg as the winner of this trade is because when you look at their center at Columbus's center depth now, mm-hmm. your for their first line center is Max Domi, who has struggled extremely in his start in Columbus. He has not looked good. He also got benched, not just Dubois. I think I think he also got benched in the one of one of the first games of the season because Tortorella wasn't a fan of his game either. But now their center depth is Max Domi is being thrown out as first line center, and behind him is I guess Jack Roslovic, who you just traded for and hasn't played all year and hasn't shown very much in his time that he has played. Yeah, I mean, Kekalainen sees him as a two C. And you think you can plug him out there right away? I mean, good luck with that. I mean, I get, I get that. I think it's, uh, isn't it Alexander Texier? And has te- again, Texier has also never played center really in his <laughs> short spells in the NHL. Texier yeah. has played wing. Yeah, he's only played wing. So it, they're it's playing him center exper- this year. <laughs> it's definitely an experiment. Yes, and and I get that 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 Columbus is a guy. There's a team where you can just kind of like the Islanders, I guess, where you can just, just throw anybody out play. there, yeah. plug and play, whatever. But that I is think, terrible center depth. I think Columbus is feeling very slighted uh, by first uh, Panarin and Bobrovsky leaving, and now Dubois wanting out. I feel like they feel attacked 
either. <laughs> that's why some of their responses, though. That's it's not their responses, fault. Yeah. That's not their fault that they're in Columbus, to be fair. But they also don't have, like, they didn't also, they also hired a coach that's known to not be very, uh, you know, workable fun to work, work fun to work with person, didn't you right? see uh tortorella's I, I think it was some some press conference yesterday the day before i was going around twitter and i don't think he was sp- talking specifically about dubois but he he made a comment in there well they was a- kind of asking about it. he made a comment about how he thinks players are a lot softer these days yeah, and uh sure you know it was, it, yeah it was it was there and then he, they also like I think that the the message after uh, who did they just sign to it was uh, wait, Bjorkstrand. Wait, before you continue, the yeah. whole thing about players being so soft these days is just players nowadays don't want to take shit from people as much as they used to take shit. Like twenty yeah. years, that's that's all it is. Like the whole this whole thing about players being soft these days is such bullshit. They just don't want to take shit anymore because they didn't want to be <laughs> they don't want to be like treated like NHL shit. players used to get like shit on like yeah they, they used to they, they got treated like they still get treated like shit sometimes and i'm just like what like this is unbelievable like, you look at nhl players and how they get treated like it's a completely and this is a part of hockey culture and how people nba players you mean didn't i say nba players i'm fucking you said nhl okay whatever nba players <clears> you look <throat> at how they're treated completely different like not even in the same realm of how they're treated and then NHL players, it's like, no, you got to play through every single injury. And if you're half dead, you better be out there trying to get on the ice. And who cares if you don't like your coach? It's all about the team. And your and coach like, is going to kick you in the back and like, punch you and in the head. And then, like, think about, and then people are like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, it's just a punch to the head. Like, who cares? Like, it probably didn't even hurt. Like, nobody wants to fucking work in an environment that's shit. Like, think about your own, like, literally just apply anything in hockey to real life. And then you suddenly, and then a light bulb goes off and you go like, this isn't normal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if my boss <laughs> and I went into work, like slapped me across the head, I'd be fucking pissed. <laughs> like, <I wanna> work. <laughs> and then I, and yeah. then on top of that, it's not like I'm some like lowly guy making $50,000 a year working at some corporation. I'm a fucking NHL player making $6 million a year. I can do whatever mm-hmm. the fuck I want. <laughs> right? Like you have, NHL players almost have fuck you money. Almost. They're almost there. So, like, they can, and they have somewhat control of their careers. They can ask for a trade, they can just not want to play, and then they get moved. Like, they'd have fuck you money if they invested in GameStop last week. (laughs) (laughs) I bet, I bet some of them did. Some of them were pretty active on Twitter. They probably saw, started seeing it and invested, like, you know, a paycheck into there. Sorry, sorry. I was, I just wanted to throw that out there, but, but anyway. Time relevant, Ty. Yeah. (laughs) And Um, they could easily put, like, fuck you money on it, and... Yeah, exactly. They could just put, like, $20,000 on it, and... Evander Kane could have been on bankrupt. Because they tossed the... They (laughs) (laughs) tossed... Evander Kane making the right type of bets. (laughs) That's a good one. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) What were you gonna say? <laughs> yeah, you're trying to. Play. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Anyways, back to what Ty was saying. Continue uh, with your. Uh... Oh yeah, so I just wanted to say one thing, and then we can we can wrap it up with the Rutherford resigning. But um, I wanted to say that like kind of the messaging that that Columbus has said about um, like for example, it was I think it was Bjorkstrand who just signed an extension maybe two weeks ago, and they're saying that you know he's a very loyal, very very loyal player, and he loves Columbus and blah 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 blah, blah and he blah, really blah. wants to be here. And then Dubois, because because it was right after Dubois' kind of trade request came out. But anyway, I think that this helps Winnipeg 
Uh, right now, Line A, who knows what his ceiling is, but he, he can shoot the puck. There's no denying that. But can he get the rest of his game up there? And if he can, and he can be a top winger, great. Then that then Columbus is the winner. But that's that's a big if. Uh, yeah, I think there's like Winnipeg has more of a guarantee. Dubois, Dubois, he's going to be good, and he fits into their system. He's going to fit in well with their coach, with probably with their players, unless Mike Scheifele and Blake Wheeler somehow tear him apart. I don't know, <laughs> but and don't like his work ethic, but like. Columbus got a bunch Seems of babies. Unlikely. Yeah, like they they, they have they have a sure thing and a guy who can rip the puck. And other than like he he you plug him in that Ovechkin Pat, spot on Patrick the power Lai- play. Yeah, yeah. Patrick Line is a guarantee. I shouldn't say he's not a guarantee, but is he's not a guarantee to no, work with towards. No part of the reason uh, Ovechkin got fifty goals for so long now is mm-hmm. originally was because of Backstrom and continued to yeah. be because of Kucherov. They put him with Backstrom and Kuznetsov, both amazing passers and playmakers, right? So and the, what we just talked about, Columbus not having? Centers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so... Max Domi is, you know, he's he's good. He's not Backstrom, but he's, you know, he's closer to Kuznetsov. But, but defensively, Max Domi is not very good. I, I, I mean, but I that doesn't matter, you right? That. Because you know who's not good defensively either? Evgeny Kuznetsov. Ovechkin worked really well with him. If you're saying that that lining and then Domi is your defensive answer, like no, your, no, should, they're, yeah. but they're not. But Kuznetsov and Ovechkin aren't isn't your defensive answer either, right? You, I guess Lars Eller is, and I guess on Columbus maybe friggin'. I mean, I don't Columbus even know who has. I can't even defense. tell you who the third liner like, is. Co- Columbus has Miko Koivu as their fourth line C, just pure defensive guy. They have Riley Nash as their three C, pure defensive guy. He's not defensive. Really much yeah. Offense there. yeah. Then you have. He's pretty good Kate. defensively, isn't he? And yeah, he's pretty good defensively. Then you have like Bjorkstrand on the second line, defensive guy. You have Boone Jenner, who uh, you know he's two way, I guess you could say. But like everyone on Columbus is defensive, other than like Seth Jones, who's trash at defense. But anyways. Hey, hey, hey! You can't say that. Um, he's I hate talking hockey's favorite defenseman. Okay, don't you know? <laughs> and sorry, and people know. are just gonna think you're attacking him just because he supports Trump. Like that's the only reason you would attack him, right? See, and I hated, he's... but I didn't like Seth Jones before I knew he liked Trump. So therefore, the joke, Eric, not come a on. bias. Okay, I'm talking now... to the player. I'm talking to people listening, Martin. I know it's a joke so those are our thoughts on the trade. I'm sure, actually we have a lot more, but we're gonna move it along and spend the next maybe five minutes talking about Rutherford. Uh, yeah. Surprise, surprisingly resigning. Yeah, that and seemed like a it surprise. Was, it was for personal reasons. It's not health related. Probably apparently. a family thing or something. Like Who knows? That. Usually is or disagreement uh, in you know and then among the executives on Pittsburgh. I don't know. Yeah, but he said, "How is Pittsburgh doing? They're not doing like extremely." They had well, a four-game you know? win streak. They're four and two. Yeah, they're doing. Oh, well. yeah? they're in a playoff spot. They're uh, close to the top of their division. They're doing fine. They just signed. Uh, who who was it that they just signed? Oh, uh, 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 freaking like Yannick Weber, I think it is. Yeah, I did not like that because he was brutal on Nashville last year. And well, the don't worry, he'll fit right in uh, top four. Cody Cece. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, what they. They got Cody Ceci, they got Mike Matheson, then they started benching both of them because they're like, this is awful. And then they went and got Yannick Weber. <laughs> like, what, what, what are they thinking? What's, what's the strategy? Man, and I don't uh, think Rutherford... Who, who signed Yannick Weber? Uh, Rutherford. Rutherford. That was his last move. What was it? He signed Yannick Weber and then left. I'm pretty sure. 
which but, okay. is like so, so Rutherford, I'm, I'm interested to see what comes out about this because I feel like there'll be stories. Rutherford yeah. is a guy. Sorry. If it if it's not family if it's not family related, there's a story. Like he probably like quit. Yeah, I I, th- I it's kind of I don't want to talk too much about it because we don't have any details other than he left. So mm-hmm. we just have to focus on that, not on why he, why he left and everything. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Could yeah so, so yeah, sorry. I was gonna say Rutherford was a guy who, um, I mean, he did lead Pittsburgh to two Stanley Cups as soon as he kind of stepped in there, right? Like, but yeah. but he's been a guy who, when he has his eyes set on a player. He gets mm-hmm. that player. Like, yes. for example, mm-hmm. uh, who did it start? It was like Jason Zucker a couple of years ago. Pittsburgh always rumored to to be for, for like a a year. Yeah. Pittsburgh <laughs> wants Jason Zucker. So he did everything in his power to get Jason Zucker. This past year, Pittsburgh's interested in, in Kasperi Kapanen. So he did everything he could to get Kasperi Kapanen. Nick you know? Benito. Wasn't his, fir- was his first? Yeah. Trevor first one was Kessel. Yeah. Like he just, he res- massive respect that he's willing to make the moves. They often very much didn't work out and they all but he also but he also cut his losses very quickly yeah, exactly time. yeah 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 for you real know, he sees it doesn't work isn't working out he trades them he sees it is working out and still trades them <laughs> but but he can also it, it also doesn't work for him because there was that that was i guess it was maybe two years ago now when it was like pittsburgh interested in signing jack johnson and so yeah. he went out and got jack johnson <laughs> Yeah, it's a benefit and a curse, right? He wants his guy and he goes and gets him. Good thing. He but he wants his guys and he goes and gets them, and it's all makes so, very much a bad thing. Mike so, Matheson and uh, Cody Cece and Jack yeah. Johnson. His def- his ability to evaluate defensemen is very questionable, especially very for a guy that's had le- the especially for a guy that's had Latang for freaking a decade or whatever, however long he's been GM. Like, come on. Come on, man. Come on. Rutherford hasn't been GM that long. It's been five years. I think I think he started out in maybe years? 2015. Didn't wasn't mm. it like 2013 or something? Uh, whatever. No, whatever. It was 2015. Whatever. He used five to be Carolina. Yeah, he used to be Carolina's GM and then I think he moved over yeah, to true, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Whatever it is, right? He's had Latang for all this time, their best defenseman. Then got John Marino, who was their other best defenseman, had Dumoulin. So you'd think like those guys would show him like what he should be getting, and then he just went and got the opposites of all those guys. <laughs> like Cody CC can't do anything, Jack Johnson can't do anything. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to like so, trash him too much because I feel like in two days it's gonna come out like a family member member died or something. And I'm gonna feel awful. <laughs> so he, so yeah, so so Pittsburgh. I mean, you you can't be mad about. Winning two Stanley Cups, I'm sure maybe while you have Crosby and Malkin, you maybe hope that you could have built a better team around them. But you have one of the best coaches in the league, and you have a team who consistently has has kind of they can call up anybody from the AHL. And you know, yeah, there was that there was that good tweet. I, I don't remember who made it, but it was a couple of years ago. Where it was like they <laughs> you watch a Pittsburgh game, and it's like here comes Mark Donk skating up with the puck. <laughs> You're like, who the hell's Mark Donk? And then you look him up, and he has 40 points playing with Crosby. <laughs> and then he like dominated the AHL yeah. or something, and now, yeah, not that. That's becoming that's, one that's becoming old news though. Like that's no longer quite the truth. Yeah, Pittsburgh hasn't been doing that in the last year, I think. Um, but they Zach, but they Zach did it so for Reese. so long. I mean, Zach Aston Reese is like old though. Right? That's like two years. Yeah, ago. I know, I know. That was their last yeah. kind of big. There's one, uh, yeah. Teddy Bluger. I think Teddy Bluger was the more, most recent one, but he was. Not last year, but the year before last year, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I don't know. Time is hard right now. 
I don't yeah, know. The time is very hard. <laughs> like I feel time. like we went, we just went through a year, and like, and it, it, like, I don't know. Is it been? <laughs> has, has it been a year? Did we include this year as a part of our lives? <laughs> how, do we, how do we measure it? I don't know. I wish we couldn't. I wish we could just say, nah, doesn't no, exist. Doesn't <laughs> didn't happen. Redo, redo the whole thing. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> we all get an extra weird. year at the end of our lives. <laughs> yeah, that's what we deserve, honestly. And you know what? That's gonna and it still doesn't make up for it because that end of that last year of life is not gonna be as much fun as this year would have been. Yeah, I think we should get like this year. Like, yeah, this we should need be a redo. Over. Yeah. We need a redo, man. We just lost like one of the best years of our lives. Basically. Our prime, one year of our prime wasted. Yeah, one of our prime. So, so just exactly. treat yourself like a year before. Like you're, you're still the age you. I'm were, still like, twenty. Three. <laughs> there you go. I'm 23 years old. There's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> Until I'm 26, I'm 23. That's how it works. I like that. Oh fuck. Wait, Martin, you're already 25. <laughs> yeah, I, I turned 26. Oh, you're 26 like soon. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, shit, yo, Martin. Martin is an old man. Oh my Martin, god. Martin, you're like almost exiting your mid 20s. You're almost yeah, into dude, your late stop, stop it. Stop it. It's scary, man. Boomer I would actually, I, you know, I'm gonna like, <laughs> when I turn like 27, I'm going to cry. <laughs> yeah, actually. Out of my mid-20s. Like actually, though. Or, and I'm still going to feel man. it. But it's weird because I still feel like I'm like 20. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yes. I'm 24, but I don't feel like I'm 24. Because 24 yes. feels like you should be in a certain place in your life, and I'm not in that yeah. place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm still here, dude. We're, we're all still living at home, man. <laughs> Shit. Hey, I'm moving out in a month. Me and Robert found a place. We're gonna go see it on Saturday. Oh, nice. Downtown Toronto. Whoa. Yeah, it's a really nice place too. I'll post pictures on Talking Hockey. You and Robert? Yeah, me and Rob. Back to the uh, Dundas boys living in uh, Toronto. You know. It's fun. Yeah. We're hoping, I think we're seeing it on Saturday, um, but yeah, I'm excited. I hope, because it was so nice li not living at home before the pandemic, and now that I've been living at home for a year during the pandemic. You're telling uh, me, man. Yeah, I know. You're telling me. I mean, I mean, no offense to my parents. <laughs> They've been great, but um, time to go back and uh, live on my own. It just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right, yeah. I mean, but honestly, like, if I move out in a month back into the apartment, all I'm going to be doing is just sitting in the apartment <laughs> because we, we are literally in lockdown in Ontario right now, and it just got extended another, like, 15 days or something like that. I think you guys saw. So, Bro, until, like, if I get, like, February, negative COVID tests, can I come visit? Like... <laughs> uh, you know what? Just come visit anyways because, man, I'm yeah, so fuck it. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> give me COVID, honestly. Give me COVID so I can get in and get over with. I still, I still got time. <laughs> I need the vaccine. We need the vaccine. When's the vaccine coming? I don't know. Anyways, we need. We've been, we're still recording. It just needs to <laughs> get out quicker. Vaccine yeah, okay, needs to enough, roll out quicker. Enough, enough of everybody's um, <laughs> personal lives. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks so much for listening to bonus episode. I guess forty eight point. <laughs> Two. <laughs> talking about the podcast. Um, 
Yeah, Luke. Luke, I guess, has been replaced by producer Ty. So yeah, we um, don't care. We don't need producer Luke anymore. It's all producer. Luke's Ty. done. Luke's, Luke's done. Luke's canceled. He is canceled. <laughs> he canceled. Thanks for listening, himself. everyone, and 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 hopefully Nathan McKinnon will be on episode forty-eight. But <laughs> thank, thank We honestly appreciate you listening to us, and if you make it this far, that's impressive. Yeah. Have a good I, night. I wouldn't. I wouldn't <laughs> listen to us. <laughs>